Welcome back to Oliver's Insights, part of the Simplifying Investing podcast series. It's great to have you here. A reminder that this podcast is general in nature and hasn't taken your circumstances into account. It's important you consider your personal circumstances and speak to a financial advisor before deciding what's right for you. Any general tax information provided is provided as a guide only. And with that out of the way, here's Shane. G'day everyone and welcome to the latest issue of the Oliver's Insights podcast. Now, of course, this week, I'm sure you've all heard, we've had a bit of bad news in Australia with inflation rising yet again in the December quarter. Now, of course, a rise was expected, but unfortunately, the rise was more than many economists have been looking for. And in particular, the underlying measures of inflation also rose more, indicating that the rise in inflation was broad-based. So just looking at those numbers, inflation in the December quarter rose to 7.8%. And that, of course, is its highest rate of inflation since the March quarter of 1990. Big rises in things like holiday travel costs, electricity and new dwellings were key drivers of this. In fact, the rise in electricity costs was well known, and that partly followed from the ending of a subsidy in Western Australia, which removed something which had been suppressing average electricity prices, and so they suddenly bounced back up. But I guess the big surprise, though, was the surge in holiday travel costs. We all knew this was happening, but it accounted for most of the surprise in the headline inflation rate. In fact, that surge in holiday travel costs, which was about 11%, um, accounted for about 25% of the 1.9% rise in the overall CPI in the December quarter. So big chunk due to have holiday travel costs. Now, of course, you could argue, well, the rise in inflation of 7.8% was in fact below what the Reserve Bank was expecting just a few months ago. They put a number down of 8% and we came in a little bit below that. The problem though is that the trim mean measure of underlying inflation, so that's a measure of inflation which excludes big movers, the extremes at one end or another, and focuses on the central tendency um, of prices. It unfortunately also accelerated further, reaching 6.9%, which is the highest rate of underlying inflation since way back in 1988. And that of course was above our expectation for a rise of 6.5% and indeed the Reserve Bank's own forecast, um, which was for a similar rise of 6.5%. Now, of course, all of these things um, surprised us a little bit because we'd been looking at the monthly inflation indicator released by the ABS and it seemed to be showing that inflationary pressures were were topping out um, in the low sevens in the event we went for a forecast of 7.5%, came in at 7.8%. And also the Melbourne Institute inflation gauge had been indicating that December rise itself wouldn't be that great. Now, of course, those signals proved to be not a lot of value. And of course, we ended up with those very high inflation outcomes. Now, of course, there is still a strong case for the Reserve Bank, we think, to pause on rate hikes, given the rapid rate hikes we've already seen today. That's 300 basis points over eight months. Also, to allow for the lagged impact of rate hikes to work, I often get this question, well, the RBA's raised interest rates by massive amounts, most in 30 odd years, um, how come we've still got an inflation problem? Problem is it always impacts with a lag. You've got to raise the rates, the banks have to pass it on to their customers, they have to slow their spending, the whole process can take many months. You can make an argument that uh, only four or five of last year's rate hikes have so far flowed through, maybe even less than that. Um, But I suspect that that impact is still coming. And so there's an argument to avoid unnecessarily knocking the economy into recession, that the reserve banks should sit back and wait and see what the impact will be. So we think, a pause would still make sense. However, given the stronger than expected rise in underlying inflation in the December quarter, the RBA is likely to want to reinforce its inflation fighting credentials, again, to keep inflation expectations down. As a result of this, coming on the back of still strong retail sales data, 
we now expect the Reserve Bank to raise its cash rate again by another 0.25% at its February meeting. Now, of course, our previous view was no change than we'd seen the top, although we did think it was a high risk of another move. Um, we've now been tipped over into forecasting another hike in February as a result of these higher than expected inflation numbers, particularly at an underlying level. That all sounds kind of gloomy. And of course, many economists still see not just one hike extra, but two or three. In fact, I think the money market was starting to revise down its inflation expectations. They've now been revised back up again um, for interest rates. So that's all a bit disappointing, but I wouldn't get overly distraught at all of this. I think it's quite likely that we have now seen the peak in inflation even before the December quarter numbers. We thought the peak would be in the December quarter and that remains our view. And we continue to see inflation falling to just below 4% by the end of this year as a result of a combination of improving global supply of goods. You may recall a year ago, we had a lot of bottlenecks. Those bottlenecks are now being cleared. A dissipation of post-pandemic reopening distortions. And you can argue the huge surge in travel costs is a classic example of that. And also as demand slows down in response to higher interest rates that will reduce corporate pricing power and hence put downwards pressure on inflation. Now, there's a few points to make in relation to all of this. The first one is that the US led Australian inflation on the way up by around six months, and it is likely to do so on the way down as well. US inflation peaked about six months ago, middle of last year at 9.1%. You may recall when that number came out in early July, I think it was, a lot of panic at the time in investment markets. Of course, since then, US inflation has fallen to 6.5%. As supply has improved, you've seen things like falling used car prices, for example, uh, falling freight costs, they've collapsed back to where they were almost pre-pandemic. The falling commodity prices from their high, I know they're still reasonably high, but they are well down from their highs early last year and we've seen slowing demand. So all of those things are weighing on US inflation and we put together a US pipeline inflation indicator and it points to a further sharp fall in US inflation ahead. Globally, more broadly, there's been a bunch of uh, business surveys out over the last week. Economists call them PMIs and they not only ask business about economic conditions, they also ask them about inflation. And those surveys, when you're looking at US, Europe, Japan, even Australia, in fact, I'll come on to that, show a decline in the trend of rising input prices, a decline in the trend of rising output prices, and also reduced backlogs of work and delivery times have returned to around normal. So all of those things are pretty positive. They're telling us that global pricing power, global inflation is starting to recede. We've seen, a similar thing in Australia. I think that would all be consistent with a peak globally, but also a peak in inflation in Australia, probably having been seen in the December quarter. In Australia, not only did the PMIs show that, PMI survey, but also the National Australia Bank's recent business survey showed the same thing with declines in purchase costs, labour costs, and final product prices. I should say the quarterly rate of increase in each of those has come down. Roughly speaking, they've given up uh, about half of the increase they saw going into the middle of last year. That's now been reversed, um, which ultimately points to lower inflationary pressures ahead. And just finally, it's worth pointing out that a big chunk of the upside surprise in inflation in the um, December quarter, as I mentioned, came from the surge in travel and accommodation costs. Now, it's hard to see that 11% rise in that quarter being repeated again um, for the simple reason that the huge boost to travel um, is behind us. Uh, you may think, you just think about it, a year ago, many Australians were still locked down or feeling cautious, didn't want to go on holidays overseas, in fact, couldn't go on holidays overseas. Um, and uh, we had the Omicron wave at the time. So we were just sort of in between the, the end of the Delta 
lockdowns and the start of the Omicron wave. So people were still fairly cautious and a lot of restrictions were in place. What's happened over the last 12 months is a lot of revenge traveling, revenge spending um, at a time when the travel industry and the airlines simply don't have the capacity. So that capacity will start to come back as indeed it is. And I suspect that that revenge rebound in travel spending will start to peter out. And so we're unlikely to see another surge of that order in travel related costs. And as I pointed out, that accounted for about one quarter of the rise in the quarterly inflation rate in the December quarter. Similarly, there are signs that new dwelling purchase costs, which are up 18% over the last year, are starting to slow down. And there are some indications out there that electricity prices won't go up this year as much as had been feared. So putting that together with the broader improvement in supply, um, reduction in freight costs, and the broader removal of post-pandemic reopening distortions, I think there's a good argument to expect inflation to decline this year. All of that suggests to us that while the Australian December quarter inflation outcome was disappointing, with supply now improving and demand slowing, the inflation backdrop is far more positive than it was a year ago, indicating we are near the end of the monetary policy tightening cycle. Inflation is also a lagging indicator, and so there is a danger in the RBA responding too aggressively to the upside surprise in the December quarter by, for example, shifting back to 0.5% hikes. So we don't think they will do that. We do think that they will probably raise rates by 0.25% in February. In fact, as I mentioned, I prefer that they stay on hold um, given the risk to the economy um, and the lagged impact of monetary tightening, but odds are they're going to move over the line again with another 0.25% hike. Um, that, of course, will take the cash rate to 3.35% from currently 3.1% but we expect that this will probably be the peak. So I hope that's been of some value. I know those numbers were disappointing. For me, they just confirmed what we already knew, that inflation is a big problem, cost of living is a big problem, but we do think that those inflation, that inflation problem will start to recede as we go through the course of this year, um, which should enable the Reserve Bank to start getting off the brake. So all the best, until we meet again, adios. Keep up to date with Dr. Oliver in the Simplifying Investing podcast series. Be sure to subscribe to your favorite streaming platform. That way you'll never miss an episode.